Hello, and welcome to Finding Truth Matters with Dr. Andrew Corbett. And here the Apostle Paul says, I've got a better deal for you. I've got an identity for you that you cannot match and you cannot surpass. What is religion? Well, it's broadly a system of faith and worship. In the Old Testament of the Bible, the Hebrew nation, God's people, were given a law and a system by which they worshipped God. When Jesus came, he fulfilled that law and brought freedom to those whose worship had been bound by the law. But there were some spoil sports who were not happy with this idea of freedom and tried to draw people back to their former practices. The Apostle Paul had some things to say. Tonight, Dr. Corbett is again in the book of Galatians to look at breaking the bond of false religion. Let's join him now. As some of you know, I have been doing a bit of a study on the literature of C.S. Lewis in preparation for some research, a research project that I'll be doing. And a part of that was looking at a message that he gave during World War II when he was asked by the BBC to give some consolation to the people of England and especially the troops who were fighting abroad. This message was originally entitled What Christians Believe and it later formed the basis for the book. I think it is regarded as one of the most influential books of the 20th century called Mere Christianity. Uh, C.S. Lewis opens up that talk by addressing the three possibilities that people might have regarding God. One is that you might be a someone who is an atheist, in which case you would regard all religions, no matter what, as false. He then says you may be the type of Christian who regards that Christianity alone is true and thereby you consider all other religions to only be promoting lies and falsehood. But then Lewis actually offers a third way of viewing God. He says you may be the type of Christian who recognizes that in most other religions there is a kernel of truth. Some of those religions are closer to the truth of Christianity than others. And he says, in the same way that you can answer a maths problem and still be wrong, but not wrong by a long way off, he says. In this instance, C.S. Lewis is encouraging his audience to recognize that in some religions, there may well be, as he calls it, a kernel of truth. These are things that are true even though the, at the heart of what they teach is so categorically and contradictory to Christianity, so categorically different and, and contradictory to Christianity. In which case, he says, let's be humble in the way we defend and the way we talk about Christianity. I say this because in this part of Galatians, what we're going to have a look at now is Paul using some very strong language about the difference between the religions of his day in the Greco-Roman world, where not only were the Greco-Roman gods of Zeus and Thor and, and, and Hermes and the like were worshipped, not only was it Diana and Aphrodite and these goddesses, their statues, were in most of the major cities of the Greco-Roman world, where libations were presented to them. In fact, a priest of that temple had to issue a certificate 
demonstrating that the worshipper had indeed paid their libations and their offering of food and money to the god or the gods, in which case, if they were subject to the accusation during one of the first waves of persecution that they were not a worshipper of the gods, because Christians were initially regarded as strangely atheists because they did not believe in the gods and so we have this strange arrangement where Paul is now speaking very very boldly about the religious options of his day and I wonder what he would say about our day and age as well I wonder whether he would regard the idolatry that is not done with statues or uh objects or whatever i wonder if he would still regard certain things in our culture to be just as idolatrous so having said that i now want to pray i want to open up galatians chapter 4 we're going to continue looking at what the apostle paul wrote which i have said several times literally changed the course of western history it had a a powerful effect initially on martin luther and then like dominoes right across europe it, it became one of the books in the Bible that was easy to translate. It was quick to get out because it was so short, but yet it contained the gospel in such, such clear terms, just the six chapters of Paul's epistle to the Galatians. So let's pray. Father, I ask now that as we open up your word, your word will open up our hearts. I pray, Father, that you would give me the guiding, the leading, the direction of the Holy Spirit that I might not say that which is not of your word, and that, Father, your Holy Spirit would now lead me and guide me to honour both you and your Son, our Saviour and Redeemer, Jesus Christ. And I pray for this in his matchless name. Amen. So this is, I've called this message Breaking the Bondage of False Religion because that is, in essence, what the Apostle Paul is reminding the Galatians had indeed happened. We've seen that his opening, the opening comments that he has to the Galatians were very harsh. He was, he was in no mood to fluff around with niceties. He wants to go straight to the point. And that's why this epistle is so succinct. It's concise. It's only six chapters. And it really, it did, it, it, was, it presented Paul's earliest ideas of what constituted the truth and the gospel. And of course, if we were to go deeper, we would see that this became almost the outline for his later grander epistle, the epistle to the Romans. So this harsh tone that he initially started with has now been softened by his fatherly and pastoral tone that I mentioned in our previous session, which I regard as one of the most tender in the entire New Testament, not just in Paul's writings, where he talks about how the supreme, almighty, powerful God of the universe is the father, not just of the eternal son, but the father of all those who turn to him in faith, repentance and confession and accept his gift of forgiveness and receive the Holy Spirit into their hearts so that the Holy Spirit transforms them and gives them a new status, a new identity. And in this day and age, when so many people are looking for an identity and they're looking for it from the approval of their peers, they're looking for it from social media 
They're looking for popularity and approval in all of the wrong places, we might say. And here the Apostle Paul says, I've got a better deal for you. I've got an identity for you that you cannot match and you cannot surpass. This identity makes you a son or a daughter of God. Ah, oh, that is absolutely outstanding. And we, we read Paul's beautiful fatherly tone in sharing this with the Galatians. And now what he wants to do is, as he continues this flow of thought, he wants them to recall. He wants them to think back, you know, before you received the gospel. This is the tone that he's going to use. In fact, recalling is one of the major things that makes Christianity Christianity. For the Galatians, Paul is wanting them to recall what it was like, what it was like to be under what they would now consider an oppressive and idolatrous, occultic, demonic religion. And so Paul is pointing out to them that what they used to practice and call religion, the worship of the gods, was actually superstitious idolatry. It was, in Paul's implication, a gateway to the demonic. Now, this might sound rather harsh. And in one sense, sometimes it's the truth that shocks that sets people free. And Paul here is citing the Old Testament. He's not just pulling this out of thin air. Leviticus chapter 17, verse 7, So shall they no more sacrifice their sacrifices to goat demons, after whom they whore. This shall be a statute forever for them throughout their generations. Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 17, one of the chapters that is a bit of a recall itself. There we have the writer saying, They sacrificed to demons that were no gods, to gods they had never known, to new gods that they had come, that had come recently, whom your fathers had never dreaded. He may have had Psalm 106 verse 37 in mind, which says, They sacrificed their sons and daughters to the demons. I mean, literally, he's calling to mind human sacrifice, saying, This is what your gods did. This is what your gods were. He calls them out. These were no gods at all. These were no comparison compared to the true God. These gods were brutal. These gods led you to live a life of bloodshed toward the innocent. These gods denied you, deprived you, called things evil that God himself had said were good. And so Paul's reminding the Galatians, he will later go on to tell the Corinthians because they were caught up in idolatry as well in their previous life. And he reminds them in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 20, No, I imply that what pagans sacrifice, they offer to demons and not to God. I do not want you to be participants with demons. So Paul's using very strong language here to describe the religion of the Greco-Roman world. He calls it the worship of demons. The closing book of the Bible, Revelation chapter 9 verse 20, links, directly links, the worship of demons with idolatry. It says this, The rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues did not repent of the works of their hands, which of course fashions the idols, nor give up worshipping demons and idols of gold and silver and bronze and stone and wood, which cannot see or hear or walk. I wonder what the Apostle Paul would consider to be gateways to the demonic now. 
I wonder what thereby he would call idolatry, things that bring people into bondage and addiction, things that lead to death, things that darken people's minds. I think one of those things would have to be the rampant use of pornography. It is, as someone has described, a gateway to the demonic. It brings people into bondage. It brings people into darkness. It is something that has literally resulted in bloodshed of innocent life. I think also the Apostle Paul might be absolutely amazed at seeing how addicted, and I'll say young people, but I'm probably thinking it may not just be young people who are addicted to their phones, particularly young girls who are so prone to the emotional lack of approval or approval of their peers, especially through this ironically called social media. I wonder how many suicides have resulted from negative social media. Don't look at me like you don't know this has happened. We all know it's happened. We see it on the news every so often where some young person, a teenage girl, has taken her life because of what the media calls social media bullying. I wonder if the Apostle Paul would say, why on earth, young Christian lady, why on earth are you practicing this gateway to the demonic, looking at things that are false, looking for approval from the opinions of others who really shouldn't matter, especially when they cause you to do something that darkens your mind and results in death. My goodness me. The Apostle Paul, in writing to the Galatians, he says in verse 8, formally, When you did not know God, you were enslaved to those that by nature are not gods. These things were demons, Paul is saying. Paul reminded the Galatians that when they turned to Christ, they experienced the filling of the Holy Spirit, the burden of trying to satisfy these so-called gods, the demands that they made on them, the, the way it messed with them and gave them nightmares and horrible visions, that broke off you the moment you turned to the true God and accepted his forgiveness and his offer of adoption. When you were filled with the Holy Spirit, your lives were transformed from the inside out. You had an experience with the Holy Spirit. And it's my prayer today that those people who want to know Christ who want to come to know the truth, will experience it by the power of the Holy Spirit. The same Holy Spirit who raised Christ from the dead can raise you from spiritual death to spiritual life. Christianity is not a dead religion. It is a vital relationship with the God of heaven who has sent his Holy Spirit to transform your life and to set you on fire for the cause of Christ, that you might be set free from addiction, you might be set free from the disease of the mind and the soul and the heart and brought into perfect liberty. The Apostle Paul was reminding the Galatians that that is what they experienced. He tells them in verse 9, But now that you have come to know God, or rather to be known by God, how can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world whose slaves you want to be once more? You can see the passion that the Apostle Paul has here telling them you can't be a Christian and enslaved to another master at the same time. 
I hope all the men of our church, I hope all the men in the churches of our city, in our state, would realize you cannot follow Christ and be enslaved to a demonic power such as pornography. You can't. The Apostle Paul was reminding the Galatians, why would you want to go back into bondage and slavery to those things that Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit, through the preaching of the gospel, set you free from? Don't play with the demonic, the Apostle Paul told the Galatians. And I wonder if he wouldn't say the same thing to us today. Don't play with the demonic. Be, be reminded that you were set free by the power of the Holy Spirit. Paul compares the false gospel. You remember in chapter 1, he says how quickly you've turned to another gospel and then immediately corrects himself and says, it's not another gospel. There is no other gospel. There is only the gospel of truth, the gospel that Jesus Christ is Lord. He's conquered all enemies, all foes, including the last enemy, which was death itself. That's the gospel. That when we turn in trust, repenting of our sins, even that is a gift of the Holy Spirit. You may feel you can't turn from your sin. You may feel that your addiction to alcohol, your addiction to drugs, your addiction to social media, your addiction to your phone, your addiction to pornography is too strong and it's got too much of a grip. Or you may even be in a worse place by saying, ah, that hasn't got me at all. I'm not in its grip. I could leave it, break it, stop it anytime I like. Oh, really? I pray that the truth of the gospel would penetrate your heart right now and you would recognize how the heart of God aches for you, how he longs for you, son, daughter of his, who have wandered away, come back to him. This was Paul's plea to the Galatians. He compares the false gospel of these Judaizers, the ones who are saying, become a Jew first, then become a Christian, just tack it on. He compares that to the false religions of the idolaters. He says it's just the same. It's not the true religion. It's another religion. He says in verse 10, you observe days and months and seasons and years. This is what the Judaizers had taught them. This is what they were told they had to do now. And Paul says, I'm afraid I may have labored in vain over you. Oh, my goodness. In the previous chapter, we saw in Galatians chapter 3, verses 1 to 5, he starts off with these very strong words. Oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you or who has hypnotized you with this occultic spell that you now walk away from Christ so quickly? You, went, you now walk away from the gospel. And it seems like he's saying it again here. I'm afraid I've labored over you in vain. What have you done? You need to realize, Galatians, that when I came and I preached the gospel to you, you received the Holy Spirit. Your life was transformed. I have invested my life, my heart, my soul, the Holy Spirit and the gospel into you. I sure hope it's not for waste, he is saying to the Galatians now. And Paul reiterates that when, when he lived as a, the most faithful Jew he could, he could live, trying to keep all the laws of Moses, he could never live up to the requirements of the Torah without also breaking it. And he's, he's telling them, and these people who are trying to tell you it can be done, they know it can't be done. Not even these Judaizers, these Jewish Christians, could keep the righteousness required by keeping the law, the Torah. And yet they expect you to come under the same demands that not even Jews can keep. This is madness. 
Don't abandon Christ and the gospel, Paul is saying to the Galatians. Brothers, I entreat you, verse 12, become as I am. Well, what did Paul become? He had become a faithful Torah-abiding Jew who was quietly, secretly living under the condemnation that no Jew ever talked about. They couldn't keep the law. They couldn't do it. That law didn't bring them freedom. That law simply was a mirror that held up and pointed out to them all their faults, all their addictions, all their bondages. Paul refers to this when he enlarges on the gospel in his epistle to the Romans. In chapter 7, he talks about, Oh, wretched man that I was, or I am. The very thing I know I should do is the very thing I don't do. Oh, Galatians, Paul's heart is for them. Brothers, I entreat you, become as I am. Paul had been set free from that. For I also have become as you are. I've become as you are. You're you're not expected to keep all of the sacrifices and the ceremonies and the rituals and the feasts days. And now we hear Paul's heart for the Galatians when he's now going to talk about his time with them. And he says, you did me no wrong. Paul is now, he's bewildered at the Galatians being so, so quick to turn away from the gospel that he preached to them. And this is all the more painful for him because when he was with them, he developed such a relationship of love with them. His, he preached to them and developed an incredibly close relationship despite his illness, as he will refer to in a moment. It says in verse 13, You know it was because of my bodily ailment that I preached the gospel to you at first. Verse 14, And though my condition was a trial to you, you did not scorn or despise me, but received me as an angel of God. As Christ Jesus. So we see here, Paul is saying, when I was with you, we were so close. You showed such unbelievable love toward me. Now, what have I done? What have I done? That you would turn away from me and the gospel so quickly. What then has become of your blessedness? For I testify to you that if possible, you would have gouged out your eyes and given them to me, Paul says. Because it's believed, scholars believe that that Paul had to make a detour into this southern region of Galatia as he tried to proceed on his route. But something happened as he went through the the swamps and the mountains and the rivers and that he may have caught an infection or something like that, an eye disease that caused his eyes to become so irritated. And this is what he's referring to when he says, you would have gouged out your own eyes and given them to me if you could have. So Paul is saying, man, You already expressed to me such deep and sincere affection and love. What's going on now? And now Paul is talking to them like a true friend. If they were friends, he wanted to be a true one. The hallmark of true friendship is being able to speak the truth and receive the truth. Paul is saying, you know I love you and I know you love me. You love me as a father and I love you as my children and I want to tell you the truth. In fact, you can tell someone who really, really cares for you. They tell you the truth. That's the hallmark of true friendship. I would suggest that if you want to be a true friend to someone, because in our culture we are so unaccustomed to speaking the truth to each other, I suggest that you need to do one more step before you unload the truth onto someone whom you hope are your friend. 
And that is this. Ask them for permission to do it. I mean, literally say, can I just tell you what I really think? Can I tell you what I really think is true and you need to know? Ask that permission question. Paul says, have I then become your enemy by telling you the truth? Paul's now going to point out the contrast between him and the false teachers. You see, he's telling them the truth. He says, these false teachers, they were telling you lies. They were just flattering you. And you can always tell manipulators because they'll flatter you. Manipulation and flattery go hand in hand. In fact, one of the chief strategies of manipulators is to flatter those they seek to manipulate. Paul says, they make much of you, but for no good purpose. They want to shut you out that you may make what much of them. They made much of you. And now you're making much of them. Oh dear, my dear Galatians, what have you done? Paul says it is good. This is verse 18. It is always good to be made much of. I mean, we all want to feel important. We all want to feel like someone cares. We all want that. But for a good purpose, he says. And not only when I'm present with you, the apostle is saying. And so we have here Paul's fatherly and pastoral anguish of heart for the Galatians was that they would be conformed to the image of Christ, not driven away from Christ. In fact, we would have to say the goal of the Christian life itself is to be conformed into the image of Christ. He will tell the Romans, enlarging on the same point, Romans 8 verse 29. Romans 8 is the treasure chest of the entire epistle of Romans to the Romans. Romans 8 29 says, For those whom this is God, he foreknew, he, God, also predestined for what? To be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. This is, a, this is such a beautiful thought that Paul is saying. This is, this is my heart for you, to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ, his attitude, his heart for God, his relationship with God, his intimacy with God. These are all aspects of the image of Christ. To hate sin, to love what is good, right, true and beautiful, to care for others. This is all part of the image of Christ. And Paul says, this is our goal. Christianity is not just a static thing. It's not a moment in time. It's a journey toward Christ-likeness. He says, my little children, for whom I am again in anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed anew. Oh boy, if we could have heard the Apostle Paul pray, it would have just for a few seconds and heard the, the cries of anguish that he prayed in intercession for those whom he cared for, those whom he pastored. I hope it would challenge every pastor, every shepherd, every elder listening to me now that they would realize that our job is not done when the Sunday service is over. Paul prayed in anguish and tears over those he led to Christ and may we be inspired to do the same thing. Paul says, I wish I could be present with you now and change my tone, for I am perplexed about you. Oh man, you can see it here that it's it's not only the Apostle Paul's heart for believers to be transformed into the likeness of Christ. It's also the heart of God the Father 
for all of his children. God wants you to be the best you you can be. I love what C.S. Lewis says in Mere Christianity when he talks about becoming a believer. He says, by following Christ and by allowing the Holy Spirit to transform your heart and mind, you will become your true self. Let's pray. Father, as we have looked at your word now and we have heard the strong words from the Apostle Paul, as we have heard things that today would be absolutely shocking But Lord, may our hearts be humble enough to hear what you're saying to us today, that we might surrender to you in complete and utter obedience. Lord, have my heart, have my mind, take my life and use it for your glory. Help me, O God, not just to serve you, but to motivate, to inspire others to want to do the same, to know you and love you and serve you. I pray, Father, that all listening to me right now whether by radio, by podcast, or here present, would know the love of God the Father, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the fellowship with the Holy Spirit. And Father, it's my prayer for those, maybe listening now, who have wandered, who have turned their back on you, who maybe they've been going through the motions, and they've been following Christ, but from a great distance. And now, Lord, by your Holy Spirit, may the Word of God grip their souls. May they be drawn back to come closer to Christ. And if that's you, if you feel you are a million miles away from God, you may feel that whatever you've done, God could never forgive. But I'm here today to tell you that is a lie. That is a demonic lie. The truth is this. You can be forgiven. You can come to know the God who sent his son to pay the price to redeem you and to set you free, you can. You are not a million miles away from God. You are just one prayer away. One prayer that says, God, please forgive me. I want to become your forgiven one. I want to become your son or your daughter. I want you to be my father and I want your Holy Spirit to come and fill me, transform my heart, transform my mind, And help me from this moment on to live for you. I pray in Jesus' name. You pray that prayer, I guarantee you, your life will change from this moment. If you don't go to a church, I want to strongly encourage you, go to that church. That church could be your new family. Go to a church. Go to a church where they love Jesus, where they love God, where they preach the Bible where they will pray for you to be filled with the Holy Spirit so that you might have the power to live the Christian life. Go to a church like that. And if you can't, contact us. Karen, in a moment, will tell you how you can do that and how we would just love to send you some information to get you started on your journey. But it is our mission for you to join a church and get involved in a church as soon as possible. God bless you. And I hope we can meet together again as I continue to preach through Paul's epistle to the Galatians. If you'd like to listen again or you've missed a program, you'll find an archive of all previous episodes on our website, findingtruthmatters.org. For tonight's program, select Galatians Part 9 from our online store. You can also find the podcast by subscribing to Finding Truth Matters on iTunes, Spotify or SoundCloud. As we've heard tonight, it was not only the Apostle Paul's heart for believers to be transformed into the likeness of Christ, it is also the heart of God, the Father for his children. More from Dr. Corbett next week 
as we continue in Galatians. Dr Corbett is pastor of Lagana Christian Church and president of ICI Theological College Australia. We look forward to joining you again same time next week for another Finding Truth Matters.